0: One of my favorite quotes about the incompetence of government was made by Milton Friedman, one of America's greatest economists, when he quipped If you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, in five years there'd be a shortage of sand. We laugh when we hear that quote because we know there is some truth to it. But even more concerning than the incompetence of many of the world's governments is the morality of most governments. Not only are the leaders of many nations not good at their jobs, but they are also not good people. Their goals are not godly. Many call evil good and good evil. Many are opposed to God's work in the world and use the power of their government to try to stop or destroy the kingdom of God. If you have ever become discouraged listening to news feeds that constantly remind us of God's governmental adversaries, you will want to listen in to Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman as they continue in the series from the Bible's songbook by looking at Psalm 2. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life, into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today... Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the Psalms. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Psalm 2 as we join their discussion. The Open Doors Ministry recently
1: published its 2023 World Watch List, in which they listed the top 50 countries who are persecuting Christians. I know our listeners don't have that in front of them, but, uh, I provided it for uh, you, Nathan and Vicky. And as you look at that list and that world map, what surprises you?
2: Well, it's called, first of all, it's called the top 50 countries persecuting Christians. I would imagine it's probably the bottom, uh, 50 <laughs> countries persecuting Christians. Uh, it's surprising what's on here. Mexico is on here for mm-hmm. persecuting people's uh, family life and lifestyle. And, uh, community life and and their church life
3: okay cuba cuba is um i don't know what i think about cuba but a lot of my christian friends go to cuba and i go on witness programs and i don't think of them as particularly hostile
1: hmm. well on the other hand as you know crosstalk ministers in cuba and uh, some of our people who uh, are in leadership there have told me about how They've been uh, kidnapped by the government and thrown out of the back of moving vans um, by government officials. Wow. Fortunately, they survive. Government officials have run them off the road trying to kill them. Wow. Do you know that anytime I'm preaching in uh, Cuba that I have to be careful, we don't know what, who's there, that secret police that uh, you know it's yeah, there's, there's persecution. Mm-hmm. If they don't like if you have a house church that doesn't have permission, they'll knock your house down. Bulldozers can do that. So, yeah, we get the distorted view often because uh, especially visitors from outside of the U.S., they'll go to Cuba and they'll end up at resorts that are put on and specially controlled um, in some parts of Cuba. And so people are shielded from seeing what's really going on. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And we have our friends in Vietnam. They're on this list. Uh, Friends in India. They're on this list. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It makes you realize what a blessing we have. Those of us who live in the United States of America of, to have religious freedom.
3: Isn't that the truth?
2: Throughout history,
1: leaders of nation states have hated the gospel. Not all, but many. They've hated the idea that people would be allegiant to someone else primarily rather than to them and seeing Christians as enemies rather than friends. In fact, even today, Christianity Today tells us 13 Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith every day, every day. 12 churches or Christian buildings are sacked. 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned every day. And another five are abducted every single day. It would be easy for the followers of Jesus like this to become discouraged. I think if we were living in some of these most oppressive countries, we might feel powerless and overwhelmed. After all, how can ordinary people like us resist the power of a God-hating state? In response to that, the psalmist, uh, of the, the writer of Psalm 2, who, according to Acts 4, was King David, lifts us out of our local situations and gives the people of God the perspective of God that they need in order to survive in that environment. The psalmist David begins by revealing God's perspective on the war they are waging against him. How does God feel about the, the, his enemies waging war against him? Well, you can see that in the beginning of the psalm, can't you? Mm-hmm. It says, yeah.
3: why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them.
2: <laughs> now see, I was expecting you to break out into Handel's Messiah, because that's part of <laughs> Vicky gave Vicki us a Vicki good than... baritone <laughs> bravado there. Well, better Vicky
1: than me. You don't want to hear me sing, but <laughs> But I'm just shocked by the attitude of of these verses. How would you describe God's attitude to the rebellion of
2: these nations against his rule, against his position in the universe? He's ridiculing them. <laughs> why, why, why do they conspire? They do this in vain. He's making fun of them. <laughs> they rise up. They band together. Oh, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. He's he's being almost sarcastic here. The, the one in throne in heaven laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. <laughs> so why why is he not angry? Why is he not hurt? Well, because he's God. He's all powerful, right? <laughs> So you have to imagine, you know, that every so often there's like some little kid that comes up to, you know, an adult in church and they're like, I could beat you up, <laughs> right? They, they say something ridiculous. like, oh, I've got $5 in my pocket. I'm rich. You know, <laughs> every so often my kids are like, wow, can we buy that mansion? I'll give you all of my money. Okay. You can't like, <laughs> it's, you don't have enough. You'll never have enough. Um, right. It's just, it's, it's ludicrous and god looks at them with his with the correct perspective you think you have all this power you have none compared to mine none (laughs) and clearly they don't get it do they the rulers of this world
1: they think that they have all the power and so the psalmist just says the opposite because this is written primarily for the people of god right yep this is a hymn this is what they would come and sing together as God's people. He's reorienting their perspective of God. He wants them to stop focusing on the governmental enemies that they have and gaze upon the all powerful God that they serve and who reigns supreme. Man, I if I was at the church service where this was uh, uh, being sung, I think I might want to uh, quote from Isaiah chapter 40. Because I think the prophet Isaiah really amplifies exactly what David, the psalmist, is doing here.
3: This is with whom then will you compare God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He brings (laughs) princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted than he blows on them and they wither Mm -hmm. and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff to whom will you compare me or who is my equal says the holy one lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all this he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing Oof.
1: Isn't that a majestic text? Yes. Um, let's just look at the comparison, shall we? Let's look at the comparison between who God is and who these rulers are. Quite frankly, what Isaiah and David are saying is the enemies of God are out of his league. They cannot win. They will not succeed. They are featherweights trying to outbox the undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe. I am, yeah, I, I take some delight in watching Russia do its annual military parades. Have you ever seen that on television? They celebrate the armed forces. I forget what they call their day, but everyone gathers around Red Square and here come the big heavy trucks with the missiles on them and they're clearly trying to demonstrate with all of their hardware that they are powerful and everyone should fear them. (laughs) Um, But in verse 24 of Isaiah 40, he says, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal? God doesn't even work up a sweat. He says, nah, are you kidding me? Parade all your missiles. I can blow them away like chaff. And not only is God infinitely more powerful than all the leaders of uh, all 50 nations of that open door report we looked at, but God has already established his own rival superseding government. Look at what he says, starting in verse six.
2: We're back to the Psalm here. He says, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father and I will make the nations, your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession, you will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery.
1: Again, pretty strong, pretty strong language. He says, I have installed my king on my holy mountain. Really? Who is he? I mean,
2: who is this king? that David is referring to here. Oh, he's referring to the Messiah, Ah. to the coming Messiah. That is long foretold in the old Testament. And we celebrate in the new Testament to this very day. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus.
1: So not only am I the God of the universe, putting the stars in the sky and you guys look at them, but I made them and I hold them, but I have installed my son as the rightful King of this world. Isn't that what uh, Isaiah also pointed out in that uh, passage in Isaiah 9 we read so often at Christmas?
3: It says, "'The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the rod of their oppressor. For unto us a child is born. Hmm. To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.'" Of the greatness of the government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever.
1: Whew. Maybe we need another,
2: uh, oratorio on that one too, Nathan. Another Handel's Messiah opportunity missed. <laughs> There's actually two songs from Handel's Messiah in that one, one. <laughs>
1: uh, feel free to break out in song anytime in this podcast. We can always edit, <laughs> but really the, he is the king. And wasn't that teased with Jesus triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Passover back in Matthew 21. Remember when Jesus came and revealed himself on the donkey, coming into Jerusalem, and how did the people respond? Hosanna. God save us now. God save us now. Acknowledging him as king. It's gonna be more fully experienced in the future, but that's our king. And we see this prophecy being fulfilled in Revelation chapter 19 when the king is coming and he's going to come with judgment. The first time he came was as a suffering servant, but not the next time. The next time he's going to
2: fulfill a different role, one that David foresaw and one that we look forward to. John wrote, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
1: Ooh. Again, I can't sing, but it sure makes me wish I could. That is powerful to know that the, our Lord and Savior has been appointed as King of the world, and he is going to come back, and he is going to bring justice. God is telling the rulers of this world they are not in control. This is God's world, and he has established his son as king. And he tells us as believers, even if right now it seems like the enemy is winning, the government is in control, there's a new day coming, and it will reveal Christ as ultimate Lord of the universe. God begins in this psalm by pointing out how great he is and how powerful he is. He continues by saying he's appointed his son to be the king of this world, of his kingdom. And then he gives some sage advice to the rulers of these 50 nations that would dare raise up their hand against his kingdom. And what does he tell them in the final verses of this psalm?
3: He says, therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Hmm. Woo.
1: One thing I like about a good sermon is if it has clear application. This may not be a sermon, but it's got clear application to the governments of this world, doesn't it?
2: It sure does. Follow after God because at any moment his justice is coming for you. Kiss the sun
1: or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. What does he mean kiss the sun?
2: Honor and acknowledge the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's pretty common in um, many
1: parts of the world when um, you come before a dignitary and it's happened to me, where a person will put out their hand and they will literally ask you to kiss the ring. That means you are subservient. You acknowledge their Lordship over you. And that's what he's saying to these Kings. I'm not kissing your ring. You kiss mine. I am the King of Kings and I am the Lord of the universe. He says to the governments, don't poke the bear, submit, because if you do, you'll discover that this this bear has teeth and it's not going to end well. Nathan, do you remember what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel four, when he thought he was more powerful than God?
2: Yeah, I actually preached that a few weeks ago and here King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this horrible dream and uh, no one can tell him what it means of course daniel can daniel tells him what uh, what god told him the dream meant and it meant that god was going to humble and humiliate him and so hmm. nebuchadnezzar okay and so for 12 months he seems like he does well and doesn't say anything but then uh, at the end of the 12th month he's he's walking up on the 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 top of babylon Mm -hmm. and he says is not this great babylon which i have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty and as soon as he says that (laughs) god makes him crazy he essentially lives like a cow for the next (laughs) seven years and in fact, there is a seven year gap in the historical records of King Nebuchadnezzar where we don't have anything. It's just his son uh, took power from him for a while until he was returned. But from the scriptures, we're told that he would eat grass uh, like one of the uh, the bull vine. And he grew long uh, fingernails and his hair like like that of, of birds. Uh, he was crazy until he looked up to heaven and acknowledged that God rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and only yeah. until he acknowledged God's sovereignty over him? Did his sanity return to him and he was able to return to his rule?
1: I wish every one of those leaders of those 50 nations could read that chapter and see how God responds to arrogant people who ignore his, uh, who
2: ignore God. Well, and the the good thing is, is that we look at history, right? And it might feel like, man, when's God going to do something? Oh, man, these evil rulers, they just never end. But they do. Every evil ruler has come to an end. Every evil regime has been put to an end. It just seems like that at some times that they don't, that God doesn't bring justice because there's always some other idiot who didn't learn the lesson of the previous person who's like, (laughs) well, I'm going to do it better. I'm going to outfox God. And they don't. And they don't. And sometimes it's not in the same location. Sometimes it's not in the same country or the same business. Sometimes they pop up somewhere else, but they don't learn the lesson that God is teaching over and over that he reigns. He will bring justice on the earth Mm -hmm. and they cannot persist in their wickedness.
1: And I wish every one of those 50 leaders heard what you just said, but they may not be listening (laughs) to this podcast.
2: (laughs) But then again, maybe they are. Christians are.
1: Maybe they are. And if they are, may God use it. In their heart to bring them to repentance, but for those good friends and fellow members of the family of God who are listening, who are facing these difficult days, friends, I think God in the Psalm wants us to lift our eyes up and have an inter- more eternal perspective on life. God is not denying that there is persecution, but He is saying to never forget that God is God. No one can or ever will defeat him and his son reigns. He is the king and this the kingdom of God cannot be thwarted, cannot be stopped. And we will enjoy that kingdom with him. He helps us have an eternal perspective, a divine perspective on today about what will happen. The people who sang this psalm originally They didn't live to see it fully fulfilled. We may not live to see it fully fulfilled, but we will see it in eternity. What he said in this psalm will become a reality and we will enjoy it. Last Sunday, I was preaching at a church and they sang a chorus that was new to me, the Hymn of Heaven, that was written by uh, Phil Wickham. Man, I just thought the words of this chorus really speak the words of Psalm 2 to my heart. How I long to breathe the air of heaven, where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets, to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for eternity. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There'll be a day when death will be no more, Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. And every prayer we prayed in desperation. The songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear. In the end we'll see that it was worth it. When he wipes away all our tears. Oh, there will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. And on that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice a thousand generations sing. worthy is the lamb who was slain. Forever he will reign. So let it be today we shout the hymn of heaven. With angels and the saints we raise a mighty roar. Glory to our God who gave us life beyond the grave.
0: Holy, holy is the Lord. We live in times of religious persecution. What will happen to those government leaders who oppose God's kingdom? We saw from scripture today that if they don't submit to his son, they will be destroyed. I trust that today's discussion of God's word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more about this educational, nonprofit organization, please visit www.CrosstalkGlobal.org. You can also help support this show by rating it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're enjoying it. Be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of the Psalms. You won't want to miss it.
2: We'll
3: take turns with it, but if it takes a lot of opinion, then I'll read and you give
2: it. <laughs> I, I like Vicki's opinions are more fun than mine. <laughs> well, I agree with that. The... <laughs> Everyone does.